We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Live once again, it is the Field of 68 Best Best Podcast and Best Best Livestream. My name is Rob Doster. The gentleman you see there with me is the one and only Jeff Goodman. Jeff, we have a final four. Houston is taking on Baylor on one side of the bracket. Gonzaga is taking on UCLA on the other side of the bracket. Uh, the Bruins won a slugfest last night, uh, beating Michigan, knocking off the number one seed in the East region. Gonzaga, of course, rolled. What is your biggest takeaway from what we saw in the Elite Eight? Uh, that Mick Cronin's the greatest coach since John Wooden. <laughs> you don't believe that? I mean, come on, look at that team he just took to the Final Four. I mean, yeah, that, that that's certainly an opinion that someone could have. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, amazing game, uh, amazing story. You know, to me, again, like Mick Cronin's done a great job out there uh, trying to mix together, uh, you know, because when he got the job, I think a lot of people, myself included, were like, how is this going to work, right? How are we getting – Mick Cronin, of all people, to Westwood and UCLA, where, um, you know, it didn't work for Ben Howland, right? It didn't work for Ben Howland. Why? Because he wanted to grind it out. He went to three straight Final Fours, and still they ran him out of town because he was playing in the, the 50s and low 60s. And uh, we expected Mick Cronin to probably do the same, but Mick Cronin's not nearly as stubborn as Ben Howland, uh, more willing to change, more adaptable. And what he's done is gone out there and said, like, all right, I'm going to let you play. You know, I'm going to recruit some guys that can score the ball. Uh, Johnny Juzang being one of them, adding late the Kentucky transfer. And uh, last night it was Juzang, but it was the defense. It was it was like a typical Mick Cronin team, what you were watching last night. I mean, they grinded it out. They fought you. They weren't really able to score. And then what do they do? The last eight possessions, they just locked Michigan down for the most part and played great defense. Uh, didn't allow many. Well, they did allow them some easy shots. Michigan missed a few. But regardless, they won a grinding 51-49 game or whatever it was. Yeah, I thought it was fitting that getting UCLA back to the Final Four was the first time this season that the Bruins looked like a Mick Cronin basketball team um, yeah. playing like that. So um, I was – I was impressed with with the run that they were able to go on. Uh, I mean, look, Johnny Juzang went absolutely nuts last night. Absolutely nuts. What, did he finish with, what, 29 points, 27 points, something like that? 
Um, and when you have a guy that's able to make the plays, like, I mean, this is what we talked about heading into the game, right? Michigan was probably better suited to being able to make a run, but UCLA had guys that could shoot them into the final four and were able to make those, uh, make some of the plays, make some of the big shots um, and carry a team that was not able to figure things out offensively. And that's really what, what happened to Michigan. And, you know, I thought that the game plan that, that, put together um, to kind of just basically take away everything on the perimeter, um, switch everything, take them out of what they wanted to run and funnel stuff into Hunter Dickinson in the post and into Austin Davis in the post. I mean, that Michigan's offense down the stretch was let's get Hunter Dickinson posted up 12 feet away from the basket and hope that works out. Let's get Austin Davis posted up 12 feet away from the basket and hope that works out. And, And just think about in 2021, that is what Michigan was running to try to win this game and try to make a comeback against UCLA. And that, I mean, it obviously didn't work. There's a reason why post-ups are going away because it's the efficient form of uh, scoring in basketball. Yeah, listen, uh, again, it's funny because I said before the game that I think everybody wanted to see a Michigan uh, Gonzaga matchup. And and I do still, I I feel like that would have been probably the better matchup, but ultimately it's funny. I I woke up this morning. I was like, all right, you know, thinking about the four teams and I'm saying to myself, you know what, Rob, this is exactly what we said three months ago. Like, you know, Gonzaga Baylor and then everybody else. And like, somebody's going to, those two spots, are pretty wide open for the most part. We had no idea who was going to get there, especially in a pandemic, especially in a situation that all these guys were playing in here in Indianapolis being kind of, uh, you know, kept in their hotel and not allowed to, to see anybody. But it's 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 Gonzaga and Baylor, and, and I think that's what we're going to get in the final game. I hope that's what we're going to get because I think it, it gives us the matchup that everybody wants to see. But, you know, Listen, UCLA, is it a surprise? Yes. But I feel like we were going to have a surprise. We just didn't know who it was going to be. But even Houston, a little bit of a surprise because they really haven't played anybody all year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the crazy thing about Houston in this entire situation is that um, like they're, they, they played Texas Tech in November. And then beyond that, their best one is what? A Memphis team that everyone thinks is good based off the way that they played down the stretch and the way that they played in the NIT. So um, it's – I'm glad that they got there, though. Like, I, that's that's my big thing with Kelvin and Houston here is that yeah. I'm glad that they were able to cool uh, find story. a way to make the run um, because, I mean, look, that's that, that's the most interesting storyline to me in this Final Four is the, the redemption really? angle for a lot of these Wait, guys. There's a team going for perfection, and you're you're telling me that's the most interesting. Well, I mean, that's, that's the odd one. Right? And, and how long are we going to be able to talk about that? Because, look, it's, it's going to happen, right? They're probably going to win every game by double digits. It's going to happen. They're not um, but I, I think the, 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 yeah, the, I think that they will. Um, right. But it's it's the redemption angle of a lot of this, right? Like yeah. Baylor coming back from what they what happened in in two thousand and four um, and two thousand three, and being able to get the like the program eventually get to where it is now. Uh, the Kelvin Simpson, um, Kelvin Sampson redemption tour, uh, based off of what happened with the phone calls, and like we don't have to go down that road again and talk about that again, but. The fact that he's able to revitalize his career it took 13 years, but he's he's got a team again that's once again capable of uh, of winning a national title and, and, and playing in the Final Four, obviously. And then you know UCLA being back, Mick Cronin. Um, it's just it, it's very interesting how everything kind of played out this year. I, I do think it's interesting though, Jeff, that in a season as weird as the one that we're in, 
the uh, yeah. it only it's only it only makes perfect sense to me that the plucky underdog, the second team to ever go from the first four to the final four, trying to become the first team to ever win a national title after playing in the first four, just so yeah. happens to be the program that is the most storied program in yeah. the history of college basketball. How about that? Yeah, who would have thought? I mean, if, you know, you had told Bill Walton that uh, many years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, to me, again, this is a program that's been just average over the last 10 or so years, you know, they, they since Howland left. I mean, really, it's amazing that they fired Ben Howland after three consecutive Final Four period, or shortly thereafter, three consecutive Final Four appearances, um, you know, Again, to me, I'm not sure. We'll see how this elevates UCLA back in terms of in the minds of kids. Like, that's what it's about now for Mick Cronin. Can he capitalize on this Final Four and have people see the playing style that, that you know, he's, he's, he's playing, that he's um, implemented here and, and capitalize with – a combination again of tough kids and also ones who can score the ball because if he can do that, um, maybe UCLA can get back. I mean, the Pac 12 is so wide open, we know that, yeah. And and look, part of it is getting all of the, the LA guys that are kind of going to USC right now. Um, imagine what this team would be at this very moment if Evan Mobley wasn't at USC and was on the UCLA roster. Um, imagine what the program would have been last season if instead of having Anyeka and Kongwu at USC, he was on the UCLA roster. Part of it is being able to make sure that that the cool school to go to in Southern California is once again UCLA. Um, and I think that this puts him back on the map, right? Like, look, the the thing, the worry with Cronin was always going to end up being, well, we don't want to play these ugly basketball games. We don't want to do this. We don't want to do that. We don't want to play slow pace. Like, we're not about playing defense. Well, yes, they they won with a grinded out game. Um, they've won with toughness, but you know what else he's done? He's let his guys rock on the, on the offensive end of the floor. Like he just kind of gives a ball to Johnny Juzang and, and lets him go. He gives the yep. ball to um, Jaime Jacquez and lets him go. So, um, yeah, it was, it was yeah. fun to watch, man. It was fun. Yeah, to watch. I mean, how about Juzang? And, and again, like think about this, Kentucky could have had Johnny Juzang this year. And what did they need more than anything? A dude who could shoot the ball and score the ball. Right, like with right. Portis, he was that, and, and part of the problem with with Cal sometimes is again the patience, right? The patience, and, and you know he's got so many big time guys that it, it's Tuesday might not have been ready early, but sometimes you got to understand that like you got to give him enough minutes so that you still have him when he's a junior and a senior, and then it gives you a real chance. Now, again, will Tuesday be a junior or senior anywhere? I don't, I don't know. Um, but I mean, he might have a shot. He might have a shot to go now. He might have played the same same thing with with Jaime Jacquez. Like he might he might have played his way into being an NBA draft pick. Yeah, I mean, he he was awesome too. I mean, the, those guys have all and they're all banged up. And again, we we've talked about how shorthanded they are, uh, not having Dacian Nix and uh, Chris Smith was it was it was pretty cool on the on the sideline after the game on the bench. Michael Lewis, UCLA's assistant coach, just gave him like the biggest, longest hug uh, you you would see, and and their their celebration was just so different than everybody else's. You know, I mean, Kelvin's with Kellen was was awesome, uh, and his and his daughter, but um, 
But I think UCLA's was just so improbable, and nobody expected them to win against Alabama or, frankly, against Michigan. And to beat both of them, two teams that we consider like national title contenders, you know, other than really Gonzaga and Baylor, wouldn't you say Michigan and Alabama would have been like basically three and four or three and five in terms of maybe cutting down the nets? And they beat them both within a couple of days. Yeah, I mean, they're both right there um, for sure. Uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about Gonzaga because I thought that what they did um, was just so unbelievably impressive in terms of being able to uh, wear down the Mobley's. Like, look, the reason why that matchup made sense that everybody was on USC is because what Gonzaga wants to do offensively is get the ball into Timmy in the post. Yeah. Um, they want to score in the paint, and they build everything around this idea that, like, yeah, we're going to be able to get seals with Drew Timmy. He's going to be able to score uh, – with his back to the basket in the post, and um, USC has Evan Mobley, and they're the best two-point field goal percentage defensive team in the country for a reason. They take that stuff away. The first half, Gonzaga had 30 points in the paint, right? UC, USC had not given up more than 36 points in the paint for a whole game the entire season. Uh, they averaged uh, 41% um, two-point field goal percentage defensively. Uh, Gonzaga shot 18 for 29 from two in the first half. That is a cool 62%, Jeff. Um, Drew Timmy uh, finished with 15 points in the first half. 7 to 12 from the floor, stuff in the paint. So they got right at USC strength, which USC is better than anybody else in the country, and they kicked their ass doing it. It was, uh, it was, it was very, very, very impressive. And if Gonzaga is going to be able to bet against that team, I just don't know. I, I don't know how you beat them. Like, how are you going to be able to beat this team? Well, I mean – here, here is the thing is like, again, we thought the length was going to be able to bother Timmy specifically. We thought he would have trouble. And instead, he just went in there and did work. And like, honestly, it looked like he was doing that against like me and you. Mm-hmm. He, he was just going in. And I, I think he's just so fearless. And I, I feel like his confidence grew quickly and, and, by the first media timeout, he just knew. He just knew, and their whole team knew, like, this is over. Like, we we are so much better than them. They're not going to have a chance against us. Uh, again, the zone, I mean, listen, the only way that zone works, right, is, is two prongs. One, you neutralize Timmy. Two, they don't make shots. They actually didn't make enough shots early from the perimeter. like It wasn't like Corey Kispert was lighting him up or anything like that. It was just Timmy going to work and, and the pain. And by him doing that, it opened it up for, for the other guys because, you know, normally you didn't have to worry about bringing any help or worrying, you know, you're just saying, hey, you know what, Timmy, go ahead, bring it to Evan Mobley. Bring it to him and and he he's the lottery pick. He's the guy that's going to be able to, to, to block your shot or at least alter it. Um, but, man – Timmy showed me something. He showed me something last night that I'm not sure, again, where he is on the NBA spectrum, but he's one hell of a college basketball player. And the Timmy celebrations too, Rob, they're they're pretty fun to watch. They're they're so good. They're so good. Did it all – does it come across – I love Timmy, so I don't think of it this way, but, like, is he going to be a hated kid because of his celebrations or not? Yeah. Probably, but the, the difference is like 
so when you see Drew Timmy, right, like he's got a handlebar mustache. He's this goofy dude that wears a headband. Um, like he doesn't have an ounce of muscle definition on his body. He looks like he was taken straight out of a 1972 NBA game and plopped into the modern game, and he's still killing everybody, right? When it comes to someone that's like a a JJ Reddick, you got like a pretty boy that's out here that thinks he's better than everyone, thinks he's smarter than everyone. Gelled hair, McDonald's All American, this, that, and the third. When you got someone like um, like a Wojo, he's from Duke, he's slapping the floor, he's gritty, he's tough, he's doing all this other stuff. Aaron Kraft, same thing. Um, Brad Davidson, dirty player, kicking people in the nuts, throwing elbows, taking charges. Like nobody wants to see that stuff. When you have a dude that's 6'10 with a handlebar mustache celebrating like by going like this because like all he is is just a goofy, goofy college kid, I think that that's, that plays differently naturally than the villain, right? You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I was curious. But that's I mean, like, look, I, Gonzaga might be the new Duke, and it might get to the point that if they keep winning like this, especially if they get Chet Holgerman, here, here's the crazy thing, right? So, if you look at, at who else they have on their roster right now, I'm going I'm to bring it up because I want to. I want to go over this. I want to make this point. They're probably losing sucks. You can assume they're losing sucks. Right? He's going pro. Uh, Corey Kispert is going to graduate. Probably, yeah. Suggs is gone. Yeah. So Corey Kispert's going to graduate. Drew Timmy. Let's just say for argument's sake that he ends up going pro. Right. So you lose your top three players. You lose the three three All Americans. Yeah. Uh, Eric Cook's going to be gone. Well, here are the guys that they had in in uh, in garbage time. Right. They had in Ben Gregg who was a top prospect in the class of 2022 that reclassified and enrolled in the middle of the season, correct? Uh, they had Julian Strother, who was like a top 75 recruit. Uh, they had in, uh, I believe it was, um, th- there was Martinez Arlowskis, Pop, uh, the, the, the Zakharov kid, um, and Umar Balo, all three of whom were top international prospects yeah. coming out of high school, right? Dominic Harris, another kid that is like a, what was he, like a top 100 kind of a player coming in. So, like, they have all of these studs on their bench that are going to be the kind of guys that can sit there and develop. So you could lose all five starters and come in next season, and you're still going to have a team that is that is that is spent a year playing against these guys every day in practice. Wow. They all happen to be like top 75 kind of players. And, oh, by the way, you might get Chet Holmgren. And oh, by the way, you got the uh, what's the name of the kid that just committed? Um, no. Oh, by the way, oh by the way, your front line might look like this next year: Drew Timmy, Walker Kessler, and Chet Holmgren. That could be your front line next year at Gonzaga. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: if you have Drew Timmy, Walker Kessler, and Chet Holmgren, you're not going to have Drew Timmy, Walker Kessler, and Chet Holmgren because all three of those guys can't play in the same front court. Well, you're going to get two of them. You're going to get two of the three, so you're going to be fine there. They're going to need to, to, to add an elite guard because I think Nemhard tries to leave. Suggs is, is gone. Kispert's gone. So they're going to need – they'll get the best transfer guard. That's what they're going to end up getting. Yeah, who's, who's the who's the commit that they just added? Now this is killing me. There's got to be someone Hunter, – Hunter something? Salas, um, Hunter Salas. Hunter Salas. Yeah, there you go. That's the name. That's the name. Yeah, so they're going to keep – listen, they're going to keep loading up with a combination now of, you know – Really good high school players, and they've owned the transfer market here for a while. So it's going to yeah, be you know, that should be the way that everybody wants to build their roster, right? Sure. Like it, when you're when you're trying to build these teams new every single season, the goal should not be let's go out and get all the best five stars because, like, let's be frank, man, you're not going to get John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, and Eric Bledsoe again. You're just not going to get those three best guys. Um, and even when you do, you probably have a much better chance of being 2019 Duke than you do being 2012 Kentucky. 
Um, and I think the goal should be let's go get one or two of these five star studs, right? Guys yep. that are going to come in and be immediate impact players. Let's let's uh, develop um, develop the players in the program that we have, so we have veterans that that understand the culture that we're trying to build. And let's go out and let's add a couple of these grad transfers that are going to come in and be able to do a job and have an impact the way that we need we need them to have an impact. So, uh, yeah, I think it was very very impressive. Uh, we just had someone in the comments say um, Gonzaga needs to get the Groves brothers. That would be perfect. I, I don't know. To, they don't know if there's a better fit than he hasn't uh, heard from him. I, yeah, I talked to Tanner the other day, and he has not heard. I mean, it's crazy because they're obviously grew up, you know, Spokane, so it would make sense. But uh, he's being recruited at a high level, just not by Gonzaga. If they miss out, what? Well, what? Well, when you say a high level, like where is he? Is he just going to go like play at a Pac-12 school, like a Cal or something like I mean, that? Like or Virginia, Virginia's interested. <laughs> that actually would be a perfect fit for him. Think? I mean, I don't think he wants to go that far. You know, all the, you know, all the Stanford's on him, places of Cal's on him, any of those Pac-12 schools or San Diego State's on him. But I'm trying to think, would do with that beard and that hair? Cal? No, that beard, that hair. He has to go with the head. He has to go to Bill Walton's alma mater, right? You, for, he has to go play for UCLA. Can you imagine Bill Walton calling a Pac-12 game, calling a UCLA game where Tanner Groves is out there killing everybody? Yeah, it'd be pretty fun. It'd be it would perfect be perfect fit. All right. Anyway, Jeffrey, we're gonna have plenty of time during this week to kind of break stuff down. We just want to get on here and just. I think I, I, think I have a UCLA grad coming on tomorrow, so I, I think I've locked in a UCLA grad. We uh we got to get a Gonzaga guy on at some point too. Um, and maybe we'll, maybe we'll get some from Baylor Houston. I don't know. Well, let's get weird with it, Jeff. We yeah. have, we, yeah. we're going to have two days where we really basically have nothing to do. Um, but, but, uh, but talk to people. So thanks uh, for tuning in. Um, we'll be here again tomorrow morning. And of course there will be a UCLA grad. Great tease. I'm going to, I don't want to know who it is until they jump into the, to the I'm not going to tell you. I, I never right. tell you. There it is. See you guys tomorrow. Later. Mother's day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.